The Pittsburgh Penguins kept their big stars, but are they a better team after changing their defense core around? The Dallas Stars have a new coach and some new hope, and the Minnesota Wild are hoping to build on last year's success and exceed it. We've got the off-season stories for these teams and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Penguins, Hunter Hodes. And Hunter, an interesting offseason in Pittsburgh. I guess the biggest headlines Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang staying in Pittsburgh. What does that mean for the Penguins this year and, and beyond? Yeah, it means this year, you know, they're going to they're gonna try to compete for a fourth Stanley Cup um, in the Sydney Crosby era. And, you know, they, they basically had little choice but to bring both of these players back. Um, I've talked about this repeatedly on my show. You look at the free agent market, there really wasn't any replacements out there. Like John Klingberg – one year, seven million. I'm much more, even though Latang got a lot of term, I am comfortable with him getting 6.1 million for this year and then the next few years that are on Sidney Crosby's contract. After that, nothing really matters because the team is going to be bad at that point. Vianney Malkin, you know, he signed, you know, four years, 6.1 million. Sure, you know, term could be an issue down the road, but again, it, it, it doesn't matter. Right now, he took a pay cut to come here. He actually took a three point, I believe it's a 3.4 million pay cut to come back to the Penguins. And he could have gotten a lot more, <coughs> excuse me, on the open market. Uh, there are probably teams that want, were ready to give him seven, 7.5, eight, eight million. But, you know, he said, you know, they, they, cooler heads prevailed with that negotiation. And I think he was really upset with the team at the time when he said he was going to go to market, but I think his agent and reportedly it was Sid that called him and calmed him down and they were able to negotiate the deal at the 11th hour. So um, in the end, they brought back the two best players that were available on the market for their respective positions. And, you know, it helps them compete right now. And it also means um, at the end of the line, you know, it's going to be basically two decades worth of three elite players playing in the same city. This is that stuff you kind of almost on, it's almost unheard of, in sports, and you, you get to see them break, I think, more records, either team or league-wise, uh, by the end of the contracts. And hopefully, uh, potentially, one more Stanley Cup. So what do you think the window is at this point to get that that Stanley Cup? The window, I, I would say it's the next, you know, two to three years, because Crosby only has three years left on his contract. And, you know, by all indications, I think he does want to play past that deal, I think. You know, he, 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 he'll want to play until he's 40, maybe 41. I don't think he's going to be like Yager over here. He's playing until 50. <laughs> but, um, you know, he, he definitely, with, with how well he trains during the offseason, with how just he's not slowing down at all, I think he's going to want to play past his contract. He's 35 now. He'll be, I believe, 38 by the end of his deal. Um, that's, that's mainly the window here um, for the Penguins. I think they're going to do everything possible 
um, to go get that final Stanley Cup. You know, I, you know, a lot of it obviously comes down to goaltending. I th- I still think they're a forward or two away from being as deep as they were last year. Um, but I, I feel like right now they are a playoff team. It's just a matter of, you know, can, you know, they add a player or two that can really lift them back up to being a contender like they were, you know, 2016, 2017, heck, even 2018, 2019. Yeah, so that, that'll be interesting now. The, that was what stayed the same, bringing back the two big guns. But the defense core has changed. Talk about the changes. And are you, do you think this is a better starting top six, top seven than it was at the end of last season? Yeah. I mean, you know, Ron Hextall is always full of surprises. I got to say, you know, did not have that on my bingo card. I was like, you know what? Maybe they'll trade a defenseman or two, you know, get some draft picks back. Okay. Whatever. We got some guys in the system. Did not think I'd be seeing Mike Matheson getting traded for Jeff Petrie. Did not think I'd be seeing Ty Smith coming back for John Marino. I think the fact of the matter is Hextall and in, in the front office, they were not happy with the defensive core after the playoffs. They saw what happened against the Rangers where they were kind of bullied in front of the net a few times. I mean, I don't want to harp on John because I, I enjoyed his tenure here in Pittsburgh, but he basically gave the puck on a silver platter to Mika Zibanejad with less than six minutes remaining in the third period of game seven, if someone like Jeff Petrie is right there, or even, you know, going way back, like a Ben Lovejoy, they're ripping that sucker around the boards and they're, they're not letting someone like Zibanejad get the puck. So I think a moment like that definitely stuck in Ron's head. Um, but I also think, you know, again, like, you know, they wanted to get, you know, better in front of their net, but they also wanted to get, you know, heavier on the back end. And, you know, I know that's frowned upon to say, I, I, I use analytics when I evaluate players, you know, I'm not one of those old heads out here who, just dismisses analytics and stuff. But, you know, the fact of the matter is I thought the Penguins were a little soft defensively, and I think these moves really help that. A Latang Petrie top, you know, on your two-thirds of your right side being Chris Latang and Jeff Petrie, that's legit. And people, you know, I've seen people say that, oh, well, Matheson's just as good as Petrie. No, he is not. I like Mike. I think he had a great year, probably the best year of his career. Is he Jeff Petrie even, even though Petrie's 35? No. He, he's not. He was a Norris contender for much of the t- uh, of the shortened season, and then at the start of this season, he was also really good. So he's still kicking just fine. Ty Smith, I think, is a really intriguing player. He played really well in his rookie year in New Jersey. Struggled last year in Lindy Ruff system. I think if he can, you know, be coached up by Tar Reardon, who really helped Matheson and plays in an offensive system that suits his game, I think he can be a staple in this team's top six and went on and signed Jan Ruda, you know, looking back on it right now, he's still got nine defense and I'm like, okay, you know, kind of a little weird, but you know, he also good defensive player in his own zone, not going to bring you a ton of offense, but you know, has that Stanley cup pedigree as I'm sure Hextall loves. Um, and you know, he can give you solid minutes on the third pairing. So overall Gil, I think right now, if you look at this defense compared to last year's with the changes, um, I, I think this unit is better than last year's. The obvious question when it comes to the Penguins is often goaltending. We know injuries played a part the last couple of years in that department, but how comfortable are you with the goaltending you've got with training camp a month away? Well, <laughs> that's that's the million-dollar question. You know, it's I'll say this. It's a curious decision. This is now year three of the same old stuff. But, you know, you got to have one or both stay healthy. That That's the thing. And, you know, you can't prepare 
for both of your goalies to get hurt on one play. Right. Like you, you usually rely on one of them, but you know, th- this is a huge year for someone like Tristan Jari. Contract year, you're making three point five million. If you have a really good regular season and you actually ball out in the playoffs a lot more than you did against the Islanders, you will get paid, whether it's by the Penguins or whether it's by someone else. Right now, you know, I actually just talked about this on an episode last week. I'm hesitant to give him money right now just because he is still a little bit unproven. I thought he had a great regular season last year, but you know, is he going to repeat being a 920 to 925, heck, even a 930 goaltender for much of the year? You know, he was he regressed a little bit down the stretch because you know he's playing a lot and was, I think banged up a little bit before he got hurt against the Islanders. But um, you know, it's 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 still a tough gamble. And you know, for DeSmith, what version of him are you going to get? Are you going to get that first year half of him or first half uh, part of the year of him, excuse me, where he can't stop a beach ball playing like an ECHL goaltender, or are you going to get someone who was a, a kind of a one B goalie in the second half and put up some of the best, no hyperbole here. Some put up some of the best numbers in the league. You know, he was, I believe nine twenty five in the second half of the year, just a complete one eighty from where he was um, capable backup, but he just has to prove that, through an entire season. So there's definitely a lot of questions. I think if it doesn't work out, they, the, the management staff, they should face criticism for it. But, you know, I think it's a wait and see right now. I'm definitely a little nervous about it. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is the goaltending market also this year, you know, that that's kind of playing in, you know, playing in my head. I'm like, okay, I can see why they didn't want to go out into the backup op market when you see like Billy Huso getting his money and Darcy Kemper with his starting money. I think they were just like, okay, We'll run this back 5.3 million to the goaltending and you know we'll maybe kick this kick this down the road all right well it'll be interesting to watch how this unfolds hunter why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media yeah you can find the locked on penguins podcast um wherever you get your podcast apple spotify youtube the youtube channel has over 600 subscribers we're still on the road to 1k i'm hoping to get that either by the season or sometime during um, next season, that would be fantastic. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Um, and you know, we're getting ever so close to training camp. All right, Hunter, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, like all Built Bars, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. You get all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of having to make it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. What's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to Built.com right now. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. When we talk Dallas Stars, it means Dane Lewis joins us and Dane, it's been a, a little bit of a busy offseason in Big D, especially, well, let's start with the coaching change. Your thoughts on the direction the Stars decided to go? 
Yeah, certainly has been a, a busy offseason here in Dallas. And like you said, one of the, the biggest storylines, certainly the, the coaching change for sure. I think a lot of people were expecting we would see a departure of Rick Bonus, who's now with the division rival Winnipeg Jets, which is an interesting storyline in its own right. But the Dallas Stars were the, the winners, if that's the word you want to use, of the Pete DeBoer sweepstakes, a guy that you know has had quite a bit of success in the you know his first seasons with his respective teams, whether that's the New Jersey Devils, Sharks, and even making it to the the conference finals in 2020, where you know the the Golden Knights did lose to the Dallas Stars that season in the the conference final, but still a pretty good place to be for a first year head coach. So I, I know there's been a lot of mixed reviews to his arrival in Dallas, from myself included, just kind of a you know a mixture of okay, this guy has proven that he can be a winner and he can take his team to some pretty high heights, but. You know, there's also some moments with with Pete DeBoer led teams that leave a little bit to be desired. So it's just kind of a question of are we going to see, you know, yet another promising start from Pete DeBoer that ends in, you know, a little bit of disaster. But or are we going to see, a, you know, him finally take that next step and uh, win a Stanley and, you know, the Dallas Stars? Can they win their second Stanley Cup in franchise history for the first time since uh, the late 90s? So there, there's a little bit more optimism now, I think. Uh, now that he's been here for a little bit and we kind of know what the roster is going to look like more or less. So all in all, I think I'm pretty optimistic for this season under DeBoer's leadership. And I, I think the rest of the, the Dallas Stars community is as well. What what do you think it is that causes DeBoer to sort of get up, get off track after a certain amount of time? Have you given it any thought or analysis thus far? Yeah, I, I, I've tried to look into it a little bit and uh, tried to pick the brains of some other other hosts. I know I've talked with, with both, uh, you know, the the Golden Knights guys and and the Sharks guys here at Locked On to to kind of see what their thoughts were on the hire. And I, I think it, you know, may just be one of those things where I think he can have pretty decent control of a locker room and guys buy into the culture year one, and then maybe there's just not a whole lot of change or continuing to build on what's been established early on. And uh, you know, based on his introductory press conference back in, I believe that was. June or you know early July, I think that there's a, a desire to come in and work with this well-established veteran group that the Stars have with you know Joe Pavelski, who has a connection with DeBoer from San Jose, but even guys like Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, who have been around this league for quite some time now. I think he's excited to to have a nice core of veterans that you know can be leaders for this team both on and off the ice. And uh, I think you know the the Stars front office were they were you know very particular on who they chose and there are clearly a lot of good candidates out there for the head coaching position and you know i want to i want to trust that jim nil the gm had the best uh in mind for the dallas Stars when he picked a bore and now i think that there are certainly some reasons to be excited as far as the offensive production we could see from the stars team and even on the defensive side of things i think a guy like miro haskin could have a really fantastic season uh if things go according to plan yeah a lot of a lot of people optimistic about that possibility Obviously, every team loses some players during the offseason. Which loss has you the most concerned? I think the biggest one has to be John Klingberg, a guy that really ever since the trade deadline, we and even before, back in, I remember even as early as November around Thanksgiving, there were rumors that he could be on his way out of Dallas. Just he wanted a, a bigger contract, his last opportunity to get a really massive deal as he's kind of hitting the, the age 30 mark. So, you know, a lot of rumors that the stars weren't going to be giving him that huge contract and that he'd be on his way out. But that finally was the case. He goes off to Anaheim and that's just a guy that's going to be difficult to replace, especially from an offensive standpoint. The stars always seeming to be lacking on the offensive side of the ice and Klingberg, even though he was a defenseman, always 
you know, was a, a consistent performer in the regular season with shots from the blue line, you know, helping set up really nice scoring opportunities. And especially so in the postseason, a guy that seemed to always come up in big moments, whether it was 2019 hitting the game winner in round one against Nashville that ended the series or even in the bubble in, in Edmonton in 2020, Klingberg was a, a really solid piece. So just going to be difficult to, you know, move forward from missing a guy like that. Obviously, Miro Haskinen is a very capable player in his own right, but you know, do you look at the rest of that defensive core and there's kind of a, a question mark of who's going to be the true number one guy uh, for the stars, which is going to be one of the better storylines to follow throughout training camp. Before we get to training camp, obviously players need to sign their contracts. The stars have two talented goaltenders, but what's the latest on the contract situation? Yeah, it still seems to be a little bit of a, a holdout with Jake Ottinger and uh, really promising forward Jason Robertson. Called their finalist a handful of seasons ago and a 40-goal scorer this past season. I, I think it's just one of those things from what, what I can gather, talking with other you know Stars media members, it's just uh, neither party for either players really seems to be in a huge rush before training camp, uh, especially Jake Ottinger. I've seen a little bit more on him that you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of talk between Ottinger's camp and the Stars camp this summer, but not a whole lot of reason to believe that really any team would go out and give an offer sheet. Both guys are restricted free agents. Uh, just, you know, the teams that are in really good positions for the playoff standings or a playoff push this season probably don't have the cap space to bring on a guy like that, uh, either player. And then the teams that maybe will be missing out on the playoffs this season, uh, just based on what we can expect from them, probably, you know, wouldn't be able to land a, a player like Ottinger Robertson, who seemed to kind of be in a, a pretty hungry win now mode and i think both of them have also been pleased with their time in dallas and nothing i've seen has indicated that they would want to leave dallas so i i'm not necessarily panicking right now and i think as we get closer to training camp we'll finally start to hear a little bit more development and i think both guys uh, will end up getting signed because i think both those players were uh, a big reason on why pete DeBoer wanted to come to dallas and you know joe pavelski signed a, a one-year extension in the middle of last season and i think getting to play alongside a guy like jason robertson was probably a pretty big reason for that no question about that. Dane, you mentioned this is a veteran team, but give me the name of some younger Stars players that fans should be aware of as we head into training camp. Yeah, there's there's a lot of guys to be on the lookout for, especially at training camp. I think this has the chance to be one of the more competitive camps we've seen for the Stars in recent years. Starting on the defensive side, one guy that I'm hoping can step up and uh, maybe not fully take the place of Klingberg, just given his youth. I believe he's still 20 years old. Uh, Thomas Harley, I, I believe he was the Stars' first-round pick back in 2019. Uh, a guy that has a little bit of NHL experience under his belt now. I think he played 34 games for the team this past season. Uh, a, a guy that has a lot of upside and, and hopefully can maybe come along and play some minutes alongside Miro Haskinen or maybe a guy like Ryan Suter, Essa Lindell. He's going to be really exciting to follow this season because I think he'll finally make that jump and be a full-time NHL player. But there's also a lot to like offensively. Tons of really talented forwards, whether it's guys that have been in the NHL before, like Ty Delandria or Riley Damiani. Uh, but even guys that are still you know, at the prospect level, whether it's uh, Wyatt Johnston, Logan Stankoven, Maverick Bork, I, I think all three of those guys have a, an excellent opportunity to potentially crack the NHL roster. Uh, Bork, obviously, the, the longer-tenured, of, of those three having been drafted back in 2020. So I'm excited to really watch this young forward core compete because I think I have a pretty solid top six and maybe even top nine on the forward line, uh, you know, with that top line of hints, uh, Pavelski, Robertson, and then Sagan, Ben, they're going to be somewhere in the lineup. Mason Marchment, who the Stars got from Florida this offseason, he's probably going to find himself somewhere in there. But 
there, there's a lot of spots up for grabs and there's a ton of really talented young forwards in this organization. So I think it's going to bring out the best in all of them at training camp. And we're going to see a really competitive stretch uh, during camp and during the preseason. And I think that by the end of it, we'll likely have a pretty good competitive young, good mix of young and old on the roster to start the season. Well, lots to look forward to in Big D. Dane, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Certainly. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, just a simple at Dane double underscore Lewis and our shows just at Locked on Stars. And just like this show, our, we're on YouTube and uh, available on just about any podcasting platform. Uh, again, always free, just like Locked on NHL. All right. Dane Lewis, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Minnesota Wild, Seth Tupel and uh, Toops. Uh, been an interesting offseason for the Wild. They start off with re-signing Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, and then they make another change in goal. Talk to me about the goaltending situation and how you feel it stands up right now uh, about a month away from training camp. Yeah, that uh, that goalie situation played out exactly how all Minnesota fans expected that it would. You had the um, you had the talk from his uh, from Cam Talbot's agent during the draft that he wasn't super thrilled to be part of the 50-50 split. Talbot and Flurry that we saw after Flurry was acquired at the trade deadline last year. Um, with the news that Fleury was going to re-sign here, um, Talbot wasn't uh, super jazzed about that. Now, he himself tried to kind of dampen it a little bit, but his agent certainly was very vocal about not wanting to be part of that. And so then you have uh, Bill Guerin being pretty vocal in, like, I don't really care what you think. Uh, this is how this is going to play out, and you're just going to have to deal with it. And then shortly after that, Talbot was traded to the Ottawa Senators in a one-for-one for, one for uh, young goalie Philip Gustafson, who I would imagine will be the backup goalie based off of how his contract is structured. And for Flurry, he gets the two-year deal. If you look at it, it's essentially a one-year deal with an option because if Flurry retires after this season, the Wild are not on the hook for that salary in the second year. It's just voided. So that was one of the first things I think in discussing Flurry resigning is I don't know if I would do two years just where he's at in his career, but once that news broke, it became a situation where the Wild are obviously very comfortable with Flurry. Uh, he went nine and two down the stretch with this team, and you look at what happened in the playoffs against St. Louis. Obviously, not all his fault. He had a couple of games where he looked good. He had a couple of games where he didn't look as good, and so you wonder if some of the factors from the season for him, starting the year with a bad Chicago team getting traded during the season. You wonder how much of that factored into some of his overall numbers and now being in Minnesota to start the season, being the unquestioned starter. You wonder if that's going to give him a little more peace of mind to where he can focus more on the hockey than all the other variables that, uh, that are going on um, with him and his team. So I, I like it. Uh, I'm Betting on a bounce back from Flurry and him looking more like he did in Vegas 
as opposed to uh, what we saw last year. And if he gets to those Vegas type seasons, this is going to be a great deal for the wild. The other thing that it does, it allows for him to mentor Philip Gustafson, who the wild are going to give a good look to this year to see if he can be at worst, the backup uh, for this team going forward with Jesper Wallstead in Iowa this season and expected to be the, uh, the starting de facto goalie once he's ready to get called up. So Flurry can mentor those guys in training camp. And, uh, you know, it just all in all, I think both sides are pretty comfortable with uh, with the situation in general. And so it uh, it made a lot of sense. And, you know, now Flurry's going to get a large majority of the starts. So I think everybody, at least the Wild and Flurry, uh, we're, uh, we're pretty happy with how things turned out. Sounds that way. And hopefully Gustafson can be an, an effective backup this season. The big loss for the wild. We talked about it a little bit, Kevin Fiala. What do the, the, what does the team need to do in order to replace his production? So you look at some of the things that really went well for the wild in their franchise record season this past year, they obviously had Matt Boldy step up and uh, and perform at a really high level once he was called up after his uh, he healed up from injury. The Wild are banking on that happening again this year with the expectation being that Marco Rossi will take that spot that uh, Fiala occupied on that line. Now he'll be the center, but he will probably pair up with mine and whether Freddie Goudreau ends up being the third line mate remains to be seen. Personally, I would rather give somebody like Tyson Jost an opportunity to play uh, in a little more elevated role to see if he has uh, a little more in the tank. But the Wild are hoping that Boldy can kind of elevate his play a little further and that Rossi will have a similar impact that Boldy had when he got called up. So you are really banking on those two guys helping offset the loss of Fiala production. Some of the other ways that this team is going to be able to kind of make that less, make that impact less is by improving elsewhere other than the offense. If the wild can go from near the bottom of the barrel to even, even midway, like middle of the pack in power play and penalty kill, they're going to be a much better team uh, this year in that area. And so that'll help the special teams goals will help mitigate some of the offense that, uh, that is lost by not having Fiala. If the defense plays a little better, if the goaltending is a little better, that's all stuff that can come together to, uh, to help make that loss less felt. But the two guys that are really going to be looked at most to, uh, to fill that production are Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi. Any young prospects that you think uh, the team has their eye on as having a real shot to make the roster in training camp? You know, the big one that a lot of people are curious about is Kalen Addison, uh, the uh, the top defenseman prospect for the Wild at this point. But he doesn't have a set spot on the roster. You look and you've got three lines that are filled out as of now with Alex Goligoski as the backup. Now, John Merrill is expected to miss some time at the beginning of the season. 
which would mean that your third line D pairing is Alex Goligoski and Dmitry Kulikov. Doesn't leave anybody who can be a fill-in per se um, until Merrill is ready to return. So maybe Addison makes the team um, at that point as kind of that backup guy. I would much rather him just continue to get consistent playing time because after this season, Matt Dumba's contract is up and uh, the Wild are going to have further cap crunch. So it's likely that one of those other defensemen may be dealt as well to try to get some of these young players some time. And so if Addison doesn't see a consistent amount of playing time at the NHL level this year, it's it's got to be next year. You, you would assume that he's going to finally break through the lineup at that point. But uh, other than that, I mean, we always are keeping our eye on the likes of Adam Beckman and a couple of other guys watching all the wild prospects in the world juniors right now. Um, it, I think the wild have something like eight players in the world juniors right now. So it's fun watching those guys. They're a little further away, but that's the thing with this roster that Bill Guerin has constructed is it's pretty much set until some of these guys contracts start to come up. And then instead of going out and filling spots via free agency, they're just going to elevate people into those spots and give them an opportunity to uh, get some minutes. And that's, that's exactly how I would hope that that would play out anyway. Guerin very well organized. I remember him as captain of the Islanders. So yeah, uh, good to see. He seems to have everything at least with a plan uh, to, to, to move forward for this team. Seth, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? As always, you can follow Locked on Wild wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to uh, give us a subscription on YouTube and follow on your favorite platforms. We'll keep you as up to date on Minnesota Wild news as we possibly can. You can find me for Wild Takes as well as um, my uh, sarcastic thoughts on other Minnesota teams, such as the Twins and the Vikings, uh, and the uh, the Timberwolves as well, at S-E-T-H-T-O-U-P-S on Twitter. Always tweeting. Whether or not any of the tweets are good, it remains to be seen. Oh, they're good. <laughs> they're good. <laughs> Seth, thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure. Of course. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I want to thank my guests, Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins, Dane Lewis of Locked On Stars, and of course, Seth Tuple of Locked On Wild. Have a great day, everybody. And thank you so much for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.